I think after the first four or five sits, I was starting to go out on my own. I did not feel like I had learned enough, <laughs> but I had learned enough to be confident that I could walk through the steps and make good decisions. And a lot of times I, you know, I had my bow draw, uh, draw back and I noticed that I was shaking too much and I had to let it down and say, no, I'm not going to take this shot. I'm going to wait for, for another opportunity. Hey guys, welcome to the National Deer Association's Deer Season 365 podcast. I'm your host, Brian Grossman, and we got a great show lined up for you this week. We're going to be talking to a relatively new deer hunter, originally from Brazil, named Augusto Zimmerman. Uh, Augusto started taking an interest in deer hunting while he was in college in Illinois, but he didn't get formally introduced to the sport until he stumbled on our Field to Fork program after moving to Georgia. Uh, Gusto dives into what it's like to learn to deer hunt as an adult, um, how deer hunting was much different than what he had seen on some some of the cable TV shows he had watched, and the importance of experienced hunters stepping up and being willing to mentor someone new uh, like him. So it, it's a great conversation, and Augusto does a, a fantastic job of sharing that that excitement that you know comes from those initial hunting experiences. So be sure to stick around for that conversation. Uh, Before we get started, though, this episode of the Deer Season 365 podcast is brought to you by our friends at Vortex Optics. Uh, Vortex offers a full line of high-quality hunting optics with an unconditional lifetime guarantee. And speaking of Vortex, we're actually giving away a pair of Vortex Crossfire HD binoculars at the end of this month or the, the end of February to one lucky winner. There's no cost to enter this giveaway. All you got to do is head over to our website at deerassociation.com slash vortex and get signed up for that today. The NDA has a couple things going on right now that I want to be sure to cover, including the launch of our completely new third edition of the Deer Steward One online course. Uh, The course has a whole new look, a new platform, has more topics with the latest deer research and a lineup of new speakers. So a uh, very popular course that, that we've had for years now. And uh, if you want to learn more about, you know, deer biology and deer habitat and just being a better deer hunter, uh, you can do that through our Deer Steward One online course. And in honor of NDA's 35th anniversary, we're actually knocking 35% off the course cost to the first 350 people to sign up. So I know those spots are going to go quick. Uh, All you have to do is use the promo code NDA35 when you check out, and you can learn more about that program and get signed up today over at our website at DeerAssociation.com, and then look for the the Deer Steward Program link under the NDA Programs menu item. We also have a new fundraiser we just launched, which is a little different than anything we've done before. Uh, You can enter the fundraiser for $35.00. And everyone who enters is going to get one of our NDA caps in that first light Spectre camo. So there's really, there's no way to lose on this one. Everybody who signs up is going to get that cap, which is worth the $35 entry fee. Once you're entered, you share your favorite hunting memory in the form of a photograph and a brief description. And then you use that photo and memory to fundraise for the NDA by sharing it with your friends and family across your social media channels. And they, they, you have a special link that'll send them to your particular photo and memory. Um, they can make a donation in your honor. And the, every participant in the uh, giveaway who raises over $500 for the NDA will be entered into a weekly drawing for a firearm. And whoever raises the most money is going to get a guided archery, sick of deer hunt in Maryland along with a new bow or crossbow to go with it. A winner's choice on that, whether you want a bow or a crossbow. Uh, So if that's something that interests you, you can head over to DeerAssociation.com slash HuntMemory, DeerAssociation.com slash HuntMemory to get entered for that. And guys, with that, we're going to jump on the phone here with Augusto to talk about his journey to become a new deer hunter. 
Hey, Augusto, uh, before we dive into your experiences of, of learning to hunt, uh, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, yeah, Brian, thanks for, for having me here. I'm originally from Brazil, born and raised over there. Didn't have a lot of experience uh, hunting when I was a kid, but we can we can get back to that in a, in a little bit. Uh, I'm a father of four children, married to my wife that's also from Brazil. And we moved here to the U.S. in 2009 when I was uh, pursuing a Ph.D. at the University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign. And then after graduating there, I moved to Georgia, uh, to the Atlanta area where I've been since 2014. Uh, that's also where I came across the Field to Fork program uh, sponsored and, and promoted by, by the local NDA branch at, uh, in Athens, Georgia. Before you, I guess, you know, came across the whole Field to Fork program, how did you, or, or was there already some interest there and in, in possibly, you know, learning to hunt or, or how, did, how did that yeah. initial interest get sparked? Yeah, so uh, I'd say that I, I really had a an increased interest when I moved to uh, to Illinois uh, to Urbana-Champaign area. It's a kind of a rural area. It's a college town, but it has on the outskirts it has has a lot of uh, cornfields and a lot of farmland. And some of it was just by exposure to cable TV and hunting shows and seeing when these guys seem to to have a lot of uh, a good time, a good connection with nature uh, by doing that. But uh, at that time, I didn't have a lot of uh, free time to do that, you know, going through school. And uh, it wasn't until I got exposed to some of the other more connected to food type of uh, hunting shows like Meat Eater and, and listening to some podcasts that I really got into thinking that this would be something that I would like to do. So that, that's really what sparked the interest and got me doing some research, but things uh, seemed, uh, the, the task seemed very daunting, especially, you know, someone coming from a foreign country, uh, not having a lot of connections and especially access to land, that those are, are some of the things that were, you know, keeping me from, from really uh, diving into it and, and getting to try and, 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 you know, getting my hands dirty on it. Right. Now, did anyone in your your family or, or circle of influence there where you were at in, in Illinois or even after you moved here to Georgia, uh, did, did anyone around you that, that you know hunt? No, uh, maybe a couple of people when I was in Illinois, but I wasn't uh, too close to them. And, and even growing up in Brazil, didn't have a lot of exposure to hunting. My, my dad uh, still does a lot of fishing, mostly. Uh, from the shore and used to do that when I was a teenager. My first, let's say, exposure to hunting was really, uh, you know, as little kids uh, trying to hunt birds from uh, power lines with uh, slingshots and marbles and things like that. And one of my friend's father would, you know, whatever we got, he would, you know, clean it, uh, make some uh, bird soup or something like that. And he would, we would enjoy and have a good time, but nothing, nothing too serious. When I moved uh, from even from Illinois to to Georgia, I live in a suburban area, so there was not a lot of uh, a lot of exposure to hunting. I did have, though, a work uh, colleague that did some hunting. We discussed some things, and we we would talk about you know going hunting together, maybe on his uh, in laws' properties. But things never came to fruition, and it wasn't until I decided to. Uh, take upon archery uh, to learn how to how to shoot a bow and with the intent of later on uh, bow hunting. And, and I know this is not the, uh, I would say it's not the traditional or the easiest way that someone would start to hunt. I, I came to realize that uh, uh, very soon in my, in my hunting career. So it wasn't until then that I started researching really the the DNR website for if there was anything that had a uh, learn to hunt type of course or, or guided education uh, that I came across the field to fork uh, program that was being advertised at the uh, DNR website. I contacted Hank and, and Swanee uh, through email and, and, and started communicating with them to, uh, to be able to be part of the program. I'm curious to hear, you know, what kind of 
reaction did you get from from friends and and maybe family when when you told them you know that you were gonna you were gonna learn to hunt? Yeah, so I'd say my the first one would be uh, my wife when I shared uh, with her, and she kind of dismissed it a little bit. So you know, what you're gonna do with it, and you know, you're it's another hobby or another thing that you're gonna be taking on, and, and all of that. Um, so pe- people were genuinely uh, curious about, you know, so why would you do this? Or I said, well, I, I, I think it's a, it's a good way to be connected to nature. It's a good way to, um, to get closer to how you harvest and, and be connected to your food. I've always been someone that uh, really liked to cook, like to experiment. And this seemed to be another avenue to explore that and, and share it with friends. But there was a lot of skepticism first, especially because I was choosing the harder way to learn how to bow hunt with a, with a compound bow. And that decision was, was really mainly driven by, by us having little kids, uh, not growing up around uh, firearms and my wife being very, you know, very reluctant to, uh, you know, when we discuss things like uh, having firearms in the house and things like that, because we don't have uh, that in our in our culture, we didn't grow up with that. So I said, OK, if the only way that I can go hunt is bow hunting, so so be it. Let's take the let's take the harder way. I, I started the same way, uh, you know, at a, at a younger age. But, yeah, I, I went right into, uh, well, kind of like you did. I, I picked up a bow initially just because I like shooting a bow or mm-hmm. wanted to learn to shoot a bow. But, uh, but yeah, I, I was bow hunting deer before I ever, before I ever picked up a rifle and, and still to this day prefer uh, to, to chase after them with a bow. Mm-hmm. But it, it's just, boy, it is a whole different experience. But yeah, you're right. There, there's a lot steeper learning curve, um, not only, you know, to, to learn and to shoot a bow and then to, to jump right into learning to, hunt at the same yeah, time and, and so. to have the confidence. Um, but, but I think that the, you know, the field to fork program, uh, using a crossbow, uh, really did a, did a lot of good to, uh, help people get acclimated to the woods and, and to deer behavior and things like that. It, it removes a lot of that anxiety of, uh, both a firearm or a much harder means to, to take an animal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, a lot of people, coming into this program from, from different backgrounds like yourself that may have never been exposed uh, to firearms that, that, that can be intimidating, you know, or it can be very intimidating. So, yeah, I, I, right. I think, uh, you know, it was, it was a great route that they took to, to use crossbows in a lot of these situations to, to kind of ease these people into to something that's, you know, a little, little less intimidating, a little less, less loud and, and just, um, you know, a little, I guess, less uh, initial fear there to overcome. So. Yeah, you, you have a lot more uh, control over it. Yeah, and you can and you can shoot in a safe environment. And and I think there's there's a lot of upside to that. Yeah. Now I gotta ask, especially since you said you you watch some some hunting, uh, you know, media on TV and stuff before you ever actually got out there. And I know some of that um, can be. I guess a little embellished or, or you just don't see the whole picture sometimes when you're watching yeah. hunting on TV mm-hmm. uh, and you can get some unrealistic expectations there. So I, I'm curious, did you have any um, perceptions going into the field to fork program, learning to hunt that you eventually, as you got through the program, found out that, you know, it, it wasn't what you thought it would be. I, I think the, I think the first reality check is sometimes on TV, you, you're not, you don't really see how smart the animals are, how tuned into their surroundings they are. You can never underestimate the adrenaline factor that you get uh, when you, you even see your first deer walking into, into the woods. At first, I mean, when, you, when you're driving around and you see deer, you don't get that reaction. But when you're there in the woods making an effort to, make a decision to harvest or not an animal or try to. And, and then you realize that, oh, it's not just, oh, I see a deer. Let me point this weapon to it and then let me, let me shoot it. 
Uh, it's, <laughs> it's not like that. It's uh, there's there's several different factors and how attuned they are to every single movement you make, every single uh, and when you're you know uh, trying to breathe right. If you make a, a, a different noise, the way that the wind plays into it, how they can smell you from you know from sixty, seventy, eighty yards from from where you are before you even lay eyes on them, right? The first time you hear a deer blow at you because they caught your scent, it's, it's, it's exciting. And you're like, man, I didn't even know there was something behind me. So I think that, that the, of course, the, the, some of the honey shows, the more traditional ones, they, they do tend to depict a little bit of a, a, an easier task than what it, it really, what it really was. And that's why I think that some of the other shows, not making any plugs, but the meat eater shows, they show a little bit more of the realities, at least the, uh, uh, the first ones, uh, when they first came out, it showed a little bit more of the realities of the hunt, the difficulties, the, um, the struggles. And, but it always closed with basically a meal and you paying paying reverence to the animal that you harvested by, by consuming, uh, by consuming it in a, in a way that it was really, really connected to, uh, to the ground. Yeah. Hunting media and or outdoor media in general is definitely changing and, and progressed over the years. And yeah, you're seeing a lot more of that more kind of real to life type shows like that, where, where you get a bigger picture of, of kind of the whole experience um, and, and that's not to knock any of the other shows, you know, that that have been out for years. It, if you're a hunter and, you, and you've been a hunter all your life, then you can watch those shows and understand that, well, I'm only seeing, you know, a small fraction of the time they actually spend on this. And, and you, you kind of have a better idea of what's going on behind the scenes. But you mm-hmm. know, someone new out there, you know, from the outside looking in and, and some of those shows, you know. <laughs> I could definitely see where, you, you know, you get this perception that, wow, I just need to go out there and get in a tree. And, you know, sometime about 30 minutes before dark, a, a bunch of deer should walk out here and I'll shoot it and go to the house. But right. it, it rarely works like that uh, in, in the real world. So, yeah, that's correct. That's correct. Well, I guess, OK, you you heard about or learned about the, the Field of Fork program and, and, and got involved kind of. Walk us through that experience, I guess. What what all did you learn? Um, because I know, you know, there's a lot of folks out there at this point that have heard about Field to Fork and, and they have an idea of what it's about. But um, a lot of them may not really be aware of, of what all it entails. And so can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So the program that I, that I went through was at the uh, uh, was actually at the NDA headquarters there in, in, uh, in Athens, as I said, I learned through uh, about it through the our uh, Georgia DNR website. Got in touch, answered a questionnaire. You know, I think it's a way to to make sure that you know people are in are in uh, really interested in in the experience. And after that, I, I signed up for the for the classes. It was basically a week long class with two training sessions in the evenings uh, during the week where we would meet, talk about range safety, uh, learn how to shoot the crossbows, uh, tune it, and then you would be paired with uh, with some mentors that would help you, you know, how to shoot and, and how to adjust the crossbow for yourself. Uh, and then we would talk, uh, we would basically have a meal that was uh, venison-based meal those two nights we would sit down and and talk about deer biology hunter safety and uh after those two days we would have follow-up uh we would have hunts during the weekend on a saturday evening so basically one evening hunt and then one uh morning hunt on on sunday and hopefully you know i think in our in my class we had around maybe 10 people that that were recruits and then we, after the hunts, we would get together. If someone was lucky enough to be able to be successful and harvest an animal, we would do a demonstration on how to, how to process the animal, how do you take care of the meat, and then go from there and, and then just continue to share meals, share experiences, share stories. Uh, I think it was a very 
very nice aspect of it was the camaraderie after even uh, nights or, or hunts where nobody harvested anything. You would hear all these stories about people's experience uh, when they first interacted with wildlife in the woods. And sometimes it would be even a, a squirrel, uh, a very stubborn squirrel that was making noises. And you were thinking that it was, you know, deer galloping uh, every every time. So it, it was basically it. It was a, it was a, it was a very nice introduction during that week and those weekend hunts. But I think what really stuck with me was the openness of the mentors in wanting to share uh, their knowledge, share access to their land so that people could really remove all those barriers that were keeping them from uh, being able to experience uh, hunting and then go out more times, do follow-up hunts. I went my entire first season mostly because I was bow hunting with a vertical bow after my first few uh, crossbow hunts. I went the entire season unsuccessful. I've seen, I, I had seen deer, but I was not able to harvest anything. But it still was a, was a great season. For me, the time that I spent in the woods and the, the friendships that I made through the program uh, last until today. So uh, that, that was a great start and great opportunity. And I guess at what point during that process, or, or, or did you, I mean, it may, maybe you didn't, but at, at some point during that process, did you feel like you had learned enough that you were comfortable, you know, getting out and, and going on your own? Yeah, for sure. I think after the first four or five sits, uh, I was starting to go out on my own and I did not feel like I had learned enough. <laughs> But I had learned, uh, let's say I, I had learned enough to be confident that I could walk through the steps and make good decisions. If I was going to try and make good ethical decisions, if I was going to try to harvest an animal or not. And a lot of times I, you know, I had my bow draw, uh, draw back and, and I noticed that I was shaking too much and I had to let it down and say, no, I'm not going to take this shot. I'm going to wait. For, for another opportunity. But yeah, I think, I think the basic deer behavior, biology, you learn how to avoid uh, some traps, but till today, I'm still learning. You know, I'm, this is my, we just concluded about 10 days ago, our, uh, my fifth season in Georgia, and I'm still learning. I'm still learning. There's still things that you know, and, and it's good to have a community with friends that you can share with that that you're also also trying to learn, you know, trying to decipher decipher deer behavior and patterns by looking at trail camera pictures, trying to figure out where to access a particular stand, uh, in which wind you do that, and these are things that come with time. And it's funny how you know you're still you're always learning. I feel like it's going to be a constant learning process, and that's. That's really what draws me to it is the the possibility and having a little bit of a mystery to always, you know, challenge yourself and, and trying to learn something new. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I've been hunting over 30 years now and, and I'm still I'm still learning all the time. I mean, I don't uh, like you said there, I don't I don't think you ever figure it out and. I think that's a good thing. You know, like you said, that that's what keeps us coming back season after season is, is that, you know, you're, you're always learning more and, and just, you know, seeking to, to be a, a better, a better hunter, a better woodsman, um, a better conservationist. So, so yeah, that's definitely for me, that's, that's a big appeal to it is, is you just, you, you never get it completely figured out. No. Now, have you had, some success since since leaving the program. Have you have you been able yeah, to harvest so, the deer? So, yeah. So my 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 journey after after the first season that I mentioned that I I couldn't harvest any deer. So the very next season, uh, it was funny because I took my wife to the first first time we went on a range date. Basically, uh, left the kids at a friend's a friend's house. We went out for dinner and we went shooting some guns at a at a local range close to our house because she had never shot a firearm. I had it before. So we went out there. We had a good time. As we were walking out, there's this used gun rack. And I pick up 
an old rifle, looking at it. And she looks at me and she says, you know, I never understood why you chose to start bow hunting first. Why didn't you just pick up a gun? And I'm like, okay, this is new information. I need to capitalize on this <laughs> before she forgets. So the very next week I was, I was on the market for, a, for an entry level rifle. So I got it in time for, for the next deer season. And I went the, you know, the entire bow season without a harvest. And then on November 3rd, 2020, I was able to harvest my first deer. It was a doe at uh, one of my mentor's uh, home farms. And it was a great experience. It wasn't a very big deer, uh, but it was my first deer. So it gave me that first experience. And it was what was interesting from that was... Two days after that, I had been drawn for a public land quota hunt in one of the uh, wildlife management areas here in Georgia. And I had done some scouting with the help from some of my field to fork mentors to which I sent, you know, area, area v- views of the of the WMA. And they ha- I had picked some spots and they said, well, you, you should also look into here. So I was, you know, before harvesting that first year, I was pretty nervous about going there. So that gave me a lot of confidence to go and venture into this public land quota hunt for, for those uh, three days. And I ended up very, being very successful in that uh, public land hunt. I hunted from the ground. Uh, I still don't like climbing or self-climbing uh, trees with, uh, with climber stands. I like a, a ladder stand or a, a hang-on stand with some climbing sticks that are fixed to the tree. So I hunted from the ground over there. And 9 a.m. the first day, I'm standing up and I'm about to fix to sit down. And I look to my left and there's a there's a small buck coming through and put the rifle to the shoulder and, and was able to harvest that buck. I'll never forget that drag out from there. It was about three quarters of a mile. But up to that point, I had never actually done field dressing a deer. So I dragged the entire deer live weight out of the woods for those three quarters of a mile. It took me about two hours to do that. And then, you know, took it to a processor. The next day I was there again. And around noon time frame, I was able to shoot another small buck uh, that was about 40 yards from me, the same spot. So that one, I decided to field dress right there, even even though I was probably making some some mistakes in there. That helped me a lot. That cut down that drag by, oh, yeah. by a lot of time. And then that same season, my father was visiting me here it was late November, early December. And I was able to go back to uh, to my friends, uh, my mentors uh, home farm and do a one day sit with my dad uh, by my side and we were able to harvest uh, a doe that day. And it was such a great feeling to be able to share that with him. Uh, you know, him that, that was able to share with me some of his fishing experiences from the, from now when I was a teenager and a little boy and, and having be able to share that first experience with him was, was a great thing that came through because of, of, of this, of the program and all the mentors and all the people that I met, uh, uh, during this program. Hey, yeah, that's, that's great. First of all, congrats on, on the, the two bucks on off of public land. That's as a, uh, as a fellow Georgia public land hunter myself, I, that's, um, that's no small feat, you know, that's yeah. Uh, there, a lot of those hunts, the, the success rate is not real high. So, um, that's, that's a great accomplishment to go in there and, and not only just, not just kill a deer, but kill two deer. Yeah. So that that that's great. And then uh, and then yeah, get getting to getting to harvest the deer there with with your dad there by your side too. That's um yeah, that's something really special. What I guess did did he kind of get it then? Did he did he understand your your drive to to hunt after yeah. having that whole experience? Yeah, no, he he understood he understood a lot more. And one of the interesting things is that he's not a very patient person. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we started with a morning sit on a, on a, on a box blind and 
what was funny was that I was telling, he kept telling him, hey, you got, we got to be quiet. We got to be quiet. And I saw two does coming through our right. They came in really close to the, to the box blind. They, they were entering a food plot and I had seen them. And all of a sudden I feel like he is tapping my thigh like crazy. And he's <laughs> almost like clapping. And I'm like, okay, I see it. And then all of a sudden the two deer just like, poof, bolted out of the, out of the, out of the way. Cause they, they were, they were able to hear him tapping on my leg. But at that point, then he understood, well, yeah, you do get excited when you, when you see wildlife, especially when you're there to hunt. So it was, it was a really good experience. Uh, uh, and again, he really enjoyed the, the fruits of that harvest. And it was a, it was an overall a great experience. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. So going back to that, that very first deer, I guess, can, can you kind of describe some of the emotions you went through with that, even just seeing it when the, when the deer first came out and, and you knew you were going to be able to take a shot on that deer to, yeah. to after the shot. And, and, you know, once you realize that you had, you had successfully um, harvested that deer, can you just kind of, kind of give us an idea of what some of the stuff that was going through your mind? Yeah. So it it was really very, very late in the day and it was, I was, I was ready to, I had been sitting there the whole day uh, and I was ready to, almost ready to start packing my stuff. And all of a sudden out of this briar patch comes this deer into the, into the food plot. And I'm like, it was about, the shot was about a 70 to 80 yard shot. And I had, I was fortunate because I had, I had it captured on camera. I was thinking, thinking about, okay, put it, you know, put it in the vitals, hold steady, breathe. And then when I took the shot, the deer, uh, I was surprised and I was uh, really surprised by the reaction of the deer. I had to, I had to put a second shot on at it. And it was, it was just a feeling of, you know, accomplishment and uh, gratefulness for, for being, for having the opportunity and and being able to say okay now okay i've i've been here for a long time i have been able to harvest i've been really lucky you know to do it at the at, at the very end of the day it was probably 5 minutes of of legal light still left and walking up to it i was uh it was just a feeling of of uh joy for and respect for the animal that I was going to be able to you know, to share with my family. And then for the first time, put some venison on the table for my family to, uh, to enjoy. And that's basically what, what, what was going through my mind there that I was really, uh, someone that could, would be capable of doing that, you know, and, and, and trying to do it again. And then when that public land hunt came on and I was also successful, that just, you know, was fueled to, uh, to keep me going keep me going and wanting to learn more and wanting to, to, to share more experiences. Yeah. That's a hard feeling to describe to someone who's, who's not a hunter um, that, that when you've harvested an animal and, and you first walk up to it, just the, like you said there, there, there's the excitement, the feeling of accomplishment. Uh, but at the same time, there's, there's that, again, like you said, that, that level of respect, uh, that, I hesitate to call it remorse, but it kind of is. There, there's some remorse there that, you know, you've taken an animal's life, um, but that enables you to provide for your family, like you said, and, and put put meat on the table. Yeah, it, it's just, like I said, it's kind of a hard thing to describe somebody who, who hasn't been there. And, and Yeah. Um, now, no, that, uh, it wasn't an easy sell at my house at the first time that I cooked venison, especially, you know, uh, after I had shown pictures uh, of the harvest with with my wife, it took her probably a couple of months to erase those pictures from her her mind. Not not just because they were they were not horrendous pictures. It was just you know an animal harvested animal laying on the ground. And but but for her, it was a little bit harder for her to detach from from that and then yeah. being able to actually enjoy. Um, and then today, uh, the kids they they all love 
They all want me to be successful when I'm going out hunting. And they're one of the biggest encouragement uh, to me when I, when I go out and I, you know, have to wake up really early, drive an hour and a half to get to uh, the hunting property that I, that I hunt now. But then when I, when I come home and they say, yeah, I, uh, I was able to harvest a deer, they, they're, they're all excited. Show me the pictures, you know, that, you know, let's, when are we going to eat it? And normally I leave it, um, I leave it hanging for about seven to 10 days in the cooler. And then I go out and butcher it and bring it back home to freeze it. So they, uh, yeah, they're always excited to, to, uh, when are they going to eat the deer? <laughs> we call it deer ribs. Cause I uh, <laughs> process the back straps with the bones in to make the little, uh, the little racks of venison. So they call it uh, deer lollipops. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Well, good deal. Yeah, that's that's great. Getting the, getting the family involved and and having that that support. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that means a lot. Now, have have you been able to harvest one with your bow yet? Yes, I have. So it was uh, in 2021, opening day of bow season here in Georgia. I was able to uh, take a shot in a doe at 17 yards at a friend's at a friend's property, his in-laws' properties. It was uh, it was a great feeling because. I don't know how many misses I've had the the seasons before. So basically 2019, 2020, I had one situation where I had four missed shots on a food plot uh, with deer in there ranging from 18 yards all the way to 30 yards. I used light, lighted knocks on my arrows. So at the end of the night, I had basically a Christmas tree blinking in there. <laughs> So, so yeah, after that, you know, going back to the drawing board, uh, getting some more uh, one-on-one lessons. Uh, I'm very, uh, very lucky to have a really good bow shop just min- 10 minutes from my house where the U.S. Paralympic coach for the archery team uh, owns the shop and I can get private lessons with him. So I was able to go back and do some more training. And then on that day, the 17 yards was a great shot. Got was a pass through and uh, that doe didn't go maybe 40 yards uh, from, from where I shot. Um, and uh, it was a great, great feeling. I haven't been able to harvest another one with a bow uh, since then, but um, I'm working towards that. I had a, I had a, a shoulder injury uh, late last year, uh, late 2021, early 2022. So I, I eased off a little bit on the, on the practice. So, I've been limiting my my shot distance now for this past season to 25 yards or below, and unfortunately haven't been able to get many opportunities at that and uh, that range. But uh, I'll be back at it next season. Yeah, it's it's a whole different ball game, you know, from from shooting one with a rifle that might be out there, you know, 50, 100 yards, 200 yards. Mm-hmm. To having one in, you know, like you said, 15, 20 yards there with your bow. Um, man, I'm, I'm again, I've I'm been bow hunting for 30 years now, and I still still get shook every time, you know, I get a deer in there in bow range, uh, even even a doe. I mean, I, it it uh, it can and unhinge people you. Talk about, people talk about hunting, uh, you know, uh, old, mature, smart, big bucks. Try to hunt a a smart old doe to see what's harder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So now it's 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 a it's a great it's a great challenge, uh, and we're fortunate to have a very very long bow season here here in Georgia, starting like beginning of, of you know basically between the first and second week of September, and then in some counties going all the way till the end of January. It's it's a really long. Uh, window of opportunity for for harvesting a deer with a with archer equipment right yeah absolutely so obviously you you've continued to hunt since the uh the field to fork program and i think um did i think hank told me are you actually mentoring some hunters now yourself or? yeah 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 i mentored um in the 2021 season i mentored a, a friend a really good friend he's uh he's in his 60s now uh, I'm 42. Uh, he's in his 60s, and he wanted to again. Also, grew up in Brazil, moved here to the U.S. later in life after seeing me go through the experience and 
uh, you know, being able to enjoy some venison meals with us uh, at our house. He wanted to do it. And we were, I was able to get him out on 2020 in 2021. He hasn't been able to, to harvest uh, a deer yet, but he's, he's been active and uh, we'll see. Well, he wants to keep going. And this year also, I brought in another, another friend to mentor as well that we're, we're going to continue, continue mentoring them. And he's very interested in, in continue to hunt. So, and, and it's a, it's the full cycle, right? It's the yeah. whole, so you've been blessed with opportunities to be able to learn, uh, to hunt and then now starting to give back and, and trying to recruit more, more people into this, uh, this activity and this lifestyle that, uh, that is very rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. That's the way it should be. I, I, we we should all strive to to get more people out there and, and involved in this, uh, like you said, this lifestyle, because that's that's the only way uh, it's going to continue continue on for generations is is if we pass it down. So it's it's a great great thing you're doing there. Um, I guess you know, knowing that there are plenty of other folks out there like yourself who you know, have an interest maybe in, in learning to hunt, have a curiosity, uh, but maybe, you know, they're intimidated to give it a try. They're not sure where to, where to get started. Uh, what, what advice would you, would you give to those folks? I think keep reaching out and keep looking for these, for these opportunities. Don't let the, uh, don't let the barriers that are actually perceived barriers to learn how to hunt, which is, basically land access or uh, weapons education and things of that nature, look for your local Department of Natural Resources. They have a lot of resources to help people out with programs like that. Look for your NDA closest, um, closest chapter. Talk to a friend that, uh, or, or a family member to take you out on hunting. I found that most people, most hunters want to share that life lifestyle with with other people, so the, don't get discouraged. Access to land, you, you, there's plenty of public land out there, and and people are going to be more than welcome to uh, to to share opportunities with you, and and go to your local use your local DNR. They want uh, you to become a hunter. That's how you know a lot of people don't understand that hunters are the biggest force behind. Uh, conservation in in this country by virtue of uh, taxes that we pay in hunting equipment, virtue of hunting and fishing licenses. So they will be more than open to uh, to help you steer uh, steer you in the right direction to uh, to get the resources you need to start this activity. Yeah, and then I guess on the flip side of that, what advice would you give to experienced hunters out there who? you know, maybe haven't taken the time to mentor another hunter, um, not necessarily because they aren't willing, like you said, uh, uh, most hunters are willing to help, but maybe they just don't think they, they know anyone who, who wants to learn to hunt. Uh, what, what would you say to those guys? I, I would say, yeah, just put some feelers out there to see who would be interested to, uh, to go. You'd, you'd be surprised that some people that you had never thought would have an interest in that that they 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 would like to go and do it and um and uh if you're hesitant um about you know sharing the land and things like that i think you're gonna see a lot of uh a lot of satisfaction from sharing opportunities with people i see that some of my early mentors and are still my friends they get they get so much joy and so much uh, satisfaction from other people and taking other people out and, and giving them the opportunity uh, to take place into an activity that they cherish so much uh, that reactivates in them that even they are they become more interested in hunting that maybe they haven't done as much before. But when they join a, a new uh, inexperienced group uh, and they're able to share that, um, they they get a lot of a lot of benefit, sometimes even more benefit than the uh, than the new hunters themselves. So, uh, yeah, keep putting feelers out there in conversations with people. Talk about the activity with respect, and uh, and you you'll see a lot of people will will show interest in that. 
Yeah, that's that's great advice. I wish I had the figure in front of me because I, I know I've heard it, but it's a it's a surprisingly high percentage of people when asked or surveyed that would try hunting if someone would just you know reach out and and offer. And uh, like you yeah. said there, you know, you, you never know who that person might be. It, it could be, you know, a coworker, or a neighbor or, or whoever. Um, and the other one we always hear is um, that most people are in favor of hunting for food. And that's and then it, it changes dramatically. Uh, and that those are some of the figures that are used uh, during the that we learned during the field to fork courses is that. A vast majority of people, when the question is asked, are, are you in favor of hunting for food? The difference is, is a stark difference in how many people view hunting favorably. So if there is that favorability out there, that means that there are a lot more people interested than we may, than we may think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, I believe that, that figures about 80% of people support yeah. hunting when, when done for food. So. Um, that, that's definitely an important part of it to to kind of keep on the forefront of your mind as, as you are, you know, offering to to take folks out there who uh, who might have an interest in hunting. So, but I guess as we kind of wrap things up here, any future plans as far as hunting goes? Any any aspirations to to hunt other states or other species or? Or just yeah. continue doing what you're doing now, hunting here in Georgia. Uh, I think I'm I'm at a I'm at a I'm at a stage where, so I've I've been able to uh, hunt turkeys uh, a couple of years ago, and it was it was a completely different experience than hunting deer. I really enjoyed it. All the talking that's uh, that's done with the turkeys, uh, the calling, and you know, the fact that you're walking the woods with uh, other people. Um, you know, uh, and, uh, it, it's a different dynamic. It, it's actually, it's a lot more dynamic than, than, than hunting deer. So that sparked my interest in other types of hunts, like with, uh, hunting birds, upland birds with dogs, sort of in the same, same style. And also, uh, a little bit more challenging hunts like hunting out west, uh, mule deer and, and, and also elk, uh, and, and, those are their animals. So those are on my bucket list of things that I want to do in the next uh, three to five years. In addition to, you know, spending some quality time in the, in the whitetail woods during, during the rut here in Georgia and some other States. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's definitely on my, on my uh, bucket list for, for hunting here. Good deal. I, I believe it, it sounds like you are firmly hooked for life on <laughs> as far as, yeah, as far as hunting goes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it was. Well, Augusto, I, man, I, I can't thank you uh, enough for taking time out to come on to the show and, and talk with us about, about your experience with Field to Fork and, and learning to hunt. Um, I, I've enjoyed it and uh, I wish you continued success in your hunting efforts. And uh, yeah, I just appreciate what you're doing, um, you know, getting others involved out there and, and introducing other other new hunters to the to the hunting lifestyle so uh, i appreciate the opportunity to go out and and uh share this experience with others and uh, and uh i will i'll say this i'll be forever grateful for for the nda for putting this program together for hank and swanee for for executing that and and for all the mentors that i've had you know i'm going to mention here david kidd is a longtime supporter of the nda and it's been a great friend and a great uh a great mentor in providing access to other people uh, in field to fork uh, in the Athens area. So I, I, I'm a long, long life uh, supporter now of, of the NDA and, and everything you guys do for whitetail deer and for conservation. Absolutely. Yeah. We, this program is just, it's been so phenomenal uh, to, to watch and, and just see it was such an untapped market, I guess you could say, you know, going after, you know, adult hunters or, uh, you know, adult non-hunters, I guess, that you're actually targeting yeah. that, that have an interest, you know, whether in providing their own source of protein and, and putting food on the table. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just been really cool to, to see it expand and, and head in new directions. Uh, there was one one branch that actually did some field-to-fork events with uh, senior citizens this year. I thought that was so cool. 
That's awesome. Um, to, to get them out there and, you know, people that maybe have hunted in the past, but it was years and years ago and they hadn't had the opportunity to get out. And uh, so it, it's just been really, really cool to watch the, the program kind of grow and expand and just get a lot of new folks out there and, and again, introduced to that hunting lifestyle. Yeah. Awesome, Brian. Thank you very much for, for having me again. All right, guys, that wraps up our interview with Augusto Zimmerman. Uh, Thanks so much for checking out this episode of the Deer Season 365 podcast. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the show. You know, you can find us on all the popular podcasting platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and and several more. So about anywhere you could listen uh, listen to podcasts, you should be able to find us there. Or you can just go to DeerAssociation.com slash podcast and subscribe directly from our website. Uh, hey, we'd also love it if you take just a second to leave us a five-star rating or a written review. You know, those both help us uh, climb the, the podcasting charts and be more visible to, uh, to future listeners. So we would appreciate any support you could give us there. For more information about the National Deer Association, you can visit our website, again, at DeerAssociation.com. From there, you can sign up for our free weekly newsletter. You can become a member. And don't forget about that podcast promo code that we talked about at the beginning of the show to get you a little bit of a discount on an annual membership and that free NDA hat. So be sure to take advantage of that. And uh, hey, just enjoy some of our several hundred articles of, of free content right there on our website covering everything from hunting strategy to food plots, habitat improvement, Um, deer management you name it Uh, if it's deer hunting or deer management related we got some good content right there on our website available to you so check that out and of course you can always find us on all the popular social media platforms facebook instagram twitter and youtube at deer association so again thanks for listening to the deer season 365 podcast the podcast where deer season never ends